I'm your host, Vic Choksi, and this is Victory Lab. The premise behind Victory Lap is simple. It's to have on luminaries from the sports, entertainment, and media worlds to talk about their journey, and most notably, one victory that helped them reach their goal. On today's episode, I speak with the original founder of The Big Lead, Jason McIntyre. Jason is now a TV personality on FS1 and has various working projects with Fox Sports. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, man. You know, let's jump into your journey a little bit. That's what this podcast is about. You know, let's take it way, way back. Like, when did you know you wanted to become a writer or kind of get into the sports world? I think it was probably eighth grade. I took like a creative writing class and I kind of crushed it and I really was into writing. You know, my family doesn't have any writers really, but for whatever reason, I latched onto it in eighth grade. And then of course, you know, I played a lot of youth sports, tennis, golf, basketball, so every, almost every sport. I loved it. Uh, and then of course you get to high school and I'm like one of the smallest guys and I can't make any of the teams, didn't make the basketball team, got the final cut from the tennis team, you know, like, and it was depressing. I was like a travel soccer player and, you know, I didn't make the team in eighth grade. And as I was just small and I used to have the speed to outrun everybody, but then it was just getting pushed off the ball and I, it was depressing. And at the time it didn't appear uh, like anything sports related was in my immediate future, but I flipped it and I was able to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. I love sports. I mean, I would go to the bottom of my driveway every morning at like six o'clock when I woke up for school and I would get the newspaper, Washington post, and I would pull the sports section out. And my dad would be leaving for work every morning and be like, dude, you got to read more than sports. I'm like, I got to see the box scores, dad. I can't stay up. You know, like, again, I'm, I'm old like you. So uh, it's not like we had the internet. Uh, the internet didn't exist when I was in high school. But bottom line, I was into sports. Uh, and once the playing started to fade, I was like, well, I really love sports. And I, I guess my parents were like, why don't you go to the local newspaper? Yeah. I was like, all right. So I went to the local newspaper and was like, hey, what can I do? Uh, and they were like, Okay, yeah, you can answer some phones. They're going to call in baseball scores. Here's what you do. And at the time, it seemed cool. You know, there was a guy who called in and he's like, uh, we had a no hitter today. You know, the kid who's going to the big leagues. And I was like, oh, who's this guy? And he starts explaining it. And I didn't know the kid. You know, it's kind of local in Northern Virginia. He ended up getting to the Mets uh, eventually. But, you know, I'd take more than a box score for some of these excellent games. And yeah. it was just one of these learning experiences that I just dove into. And I think that's when I got that bug. I got a couple bylines. I got to cover, you know, um, T.C. Williams, which is made famous by Remember the Titans. They had a sick basketball team. And I covered one of their games. And I was, like, nervous to interview the players. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, I'm, like, a maybe a junior in high school. And they had a kid who was going to Georgetown. I mean, he had like three dunks in the game. <laughs> and I'm just fascinated. Like, this is the most amazing thing. And after the game, I was just afraid. I was nervous to go up and interview him. So like, I stood behind the other guys who were asking questions and, you know, jotted down quotes. But just that taste. And then I went to college and did it, got out of college, got a job at a newspaper, and away we go. Uh, let's fast forward a little bit, right? You were working at Us Weekly, freelance a little bit. Well, like, I, that means quickly, I know some people, how the hell did he end up at Us Weekly? <laughs> so I was working at this newspaper. Uh, it was called the Bergen Record in Hackensack, New Jersey. Uh, I lived in like a, a tiny one-bedroom studio, not even a one-bed, it was a studio close to the newspaper, 
But the reason I picked it was because it was close to the highway so I could quickly get into New York City, yeah. where the real action was at. You know, I'm a kid <laughs> yeah. right out of college. And yep. of course, what do you do? They throw me on at the newspaper. Hey, man, cover some high school football games. Well, it wasn't Friday night. It was Saturday morning. And so my Friday nights were like, hey, man, you can't really go out. And You know, you're 24. What are you yeah. going to prioritize? Like trying to meet girls in New York <laughs> City or covering the local high school game? Luckily, we had some big ballers at the paper, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, being one of the biggest. And we kind of got to be friends and uh, we're still friends to this day. Really good guy. He was like, yeah, Jason, that's what's going to be there, dude. Yeah, focus on the, keep your eyes on the prize. Okay. It kind of pushed me toward staying on course. And there were a lot of potential landmines, obviously being in New York City, but I did get burned out of it. Like yeah. I just could not deal with every day going into uh, work. And the first thing they want to talk about is, you know, hey, did you see the game last night? And I'm like, what game? And they're like, every single baseball game. You don't watch them all? Yeah. I'm like, dude, dude, I'm right. I cover sports. When I leave here, I want to go see a movie. I want to do something else. I want to play, play poker with some friends. And then there was this incident where I had bought my U, my name and my URL, jasonmcintyre.com. Side note, I let it lapse because I was an idiot and somebody's squatting on it. So I bought my URL and I started to promote myself hey, Jason McIntyre, look what I'm doing. Because you could see the internet was flipping the newspaper game. I started putting articles on jasonmcintyre.com and somebody in the sports department saw it and like ran to the boss and was like, oh, Jason's doing this. Uh, uh, he's reprinting articles on his website. <laughs> I mean, it's jealous douche, okay? I know the guy, you know, whatever. He's still in sports media, like barely. And so I get called into a glass office. And of course, this is early internet, Vic. So I'm talking like 2002, you know, my boss, this really nerdy guy who meant well, but he was very by the book. Jason, I, I, I don't know. We're going to have to take this to the, to the editor-in-chief of the pet. I just don't know if this is allowed. <laughs> I was like, that, that was the last straw. Like instantly yeah. I got within the two or three months I was gone. And I landed at Us Weekly entry-level reporter job. Fast forward a couple of years and I needed that sports itch. You know, I still had it and I love sports. And now there is a window, Vic. From like 2002 to like 2005, where I was, I was like tapped out on sports, a little burnt out. Sundays, I wasn't sitting there watching every NFL game. Tiger Woods is rain. I kind of missed it. Uh, and I was just like doing my own thing, like trying to be a playboy in New York City while being broke as a joke. And then, you know, I'm trying to go out Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday nights were awesome in New York. And I'm working at Us Weekly, but then I, you know, like I still wanted to be in sports. So I started a website. Um, the big lead. Luckily, it was right around the time I had met my current wife. We uh, met at a bar in New York City. You know, we hit it off and I was like, okay, this is a keeper. I'm not going to be able to do better than this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I need to lock this girl down. And um, we end up, you know, moving in together. And at that point, the website was very early. And I decided, all right, I'm going to stay up at night prepping the next day's articles. And then during work, I would try my best not to post because I didn't want to get caught because I was doing it anonymously. After work, I would put in some time. I go to the gym. I mean, I was doing it around the clock. That's how I kind of got some traction. And uh, I covered the sports media, you know, as, as uh, you know, sports media. Well, when you talk about people in sports media, they focus and they perk up and they're like, oh, who's this guy? And then people started to give me information. So I wouldn't, you know, say that they stunk at their job. And it was just a weird game. And slowly things started to rise. And then there was the cowherd moment. And it's funny, you know, because in life, you go through all these hurdles. And it feels like a bunch of tests. As you're going through the hurdles, it's the worst thing in the world. Yep. But big picture, you step back. You needed to get through these tests and these hurdles. You're constantly going to be tested. 
And, you know, if you don't want it bad enough and you're weak, you know, you'll stumble and you'll fall off the path to, to whatever greatness you want to achieve. And fortunately, I was able to turn most of these hurdles, even though I got knocked down a few times, I was able to get back up, not, you know, be undaunted and, and press onward. And, you know, the cowherd incident was, was a big one with the website. The website was kind of still, it was hosted offshore in like Romania. <laughs> I didn't, nowadays, if you want to start something, you take a bunch of venture capital money, max out your credit cards. I didn't do any of that. I didn't want to because I didn't know what the upside would be. There was some fear there. So we were hosting it on the cheap in Romania for like $7 a month, some insanely low number. But when Cowherd mentions the website on like his first day after he took over for Tony Kornheiser, it was his first day on ESPN, like uh, I, I believe they ESPN U at the time. It was like pretty novel what he was doing. And of course, he takes a shot at the website. And he's like, I wish we could just get rid of that site or whatever he says. <laughs> and of course, all his listeners go to check it out and boom, it crashes. I mean, the story was everywhere. It was on Deadspin. It was on NPR. People were like, hey, c- can you do an interview about this? And I was still anonymous. And I'm like, you know, I walk outside of Us Weekly. Oh, I'm going to go grab lunch. And I'm like <laughs> inter- talking to this person from NPR. And I'm like, yeah, I- I'm not going to put my name on stuff. Just don't worry about it. And like the ESPN ombudsman wrote about it and Cowherd like apologized. And at the time that sucked. Right. I got knocked offline. Nobody can read my stuff. Is this like an effect? You know, again, think about the big picture. Tons of publicity. Five days later, the site gets back and Cowherd and I became friends out of this. And then fast forward like, I don't know, seven, eight years. FS1 starting up. He's the centerpiece. They ask him, who do you want to bring in? Hey, let's get this guy McIntyre. And things just work out in a funny way, man. I've known you for some time now, but I just learned two really, really big things. Like one, I didn't know you knew Woj. We're good longtime friends. Um, he, he's a really good guy. I don't know if I'd call him a mentor, but I, yeah. you know, when he was starting his uh, Yahoo website, he hit me up and was like, Jay, I know you've had a website. Right? Any yeah. thoughts? Uh, I talked to Peter King. I've known him for a while. Talked to him when he was starting a website. And like, yeah, I, I got to know a lot of people in the industry. Woj is a really nice dude. He's at a level now that's pretty crazy. Just, you know, I, I would go to a Laker game here out here at Staples and I would see him at the table and he'd be sitting there and like people are nervous to yeah. go sit near him because he's Woj. Yeah. And, you know, he's got his two phones and I'll go over like, Woj, what's up? And, you know, <laughs> start talking. I, I, I'm not afraid. I'm going to sit down right next to him. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, I don't know. When you were starting out your blog, I remember you would email me a lot of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are reluctant to do that. Oh, man, that's beneath me. I, I can't, what am I going to say to that guy? You got to have no fear. I know Woj is a big dog. I'm going right over. My agent had invited me to uh, NBA All-Star Weekend in LA. Yeah. He said, hey, I'm going to dinner with a bunch of big dogs downtown LA. You should meet us. I'm like, dude, I'm not on those guys' level. Yeah. Woj, like Rachel Nichols, all these people from ESPN. I'm like, dude, I'm at FS1. He's like, how about this? Meet us after dinner. I'll text you 30 minutes. Hey, you know, we're wrapping up. So I go meet them. And they're just walking in the street. And, you know, of course, we're just like, hey, Jason. And I'm just like kind of sweating in the streets of L.A. We're going to some party. They're getting me into some party. And, you know, my agent's with him because he represents Woj as well. And it was just, you know, you seeing all these big names from ESPN were on TV. A lot of them didn't acknowledge me. Uh, and that's fine. Hey, who yeah. am I? I'm nothing special. I'm trying to make, make it out here. But Woj has been one of the greatest guys out there. Super nice dude. Very ethical. Uh, big shout out to Woj. And the second thing, I didn't know it was anonymous. The first yeah, time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, because I remember I met you first at Blogs with Balls in Chicago. Mm. And at that time, like I knew who you were. So that was the first I actually knew about you kind of around that time. So it must have kind of come out. Thousand Blogs with Balls. I remember there was one in New York. Yeah. 
And then one was the Chicago one was what, like oh, 2000? Oh, six, maybe? Oh, six. I, I think I remember that when there was this guy who was at SB Nation who did not like me. He tried to like attack <laughs> me. Really? Like, this with balls. I mean, I don't remember what he said, yeah. but he was like trying to come after me. Yeah. And like, in all honesty, I think my reaction was just like, I mean, I wasn't this chill about it, but I was like, dude, you've never met me. Yeah. You've never said a word to me and you hate my guts. That's really interesting. I, you don't know anything about me. We've never had a conversation. And that was my first taste of like, damn. And I, again, I'm not trying to say I was at the top and it's lonely at the top. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of jealousy out there. I don't know this guy from Adam. And yeah. he's just uh, coming after me like, oh, you suck. You and, and and that's the thing, Vic. I know you see it a lot when we talk about gambling. Yeah. Uh, there are some people out there who, and it's so funny because the, the medium that is Twitter is so bad because they allow the anonymity. And you could just relentlessly attack people, say whatever you want. But it's funny, you go on Instagram and you make a post and everybody's like, oh, this is great, good stuff. It's yeah. like people are positive and cheery. And then Twitter is just like angry people. Like, it's a it's like it really is a sewer. Um, and, and I think at that blogs with ball, I think the guy's name was Spencer Hall. I don't know if he's still at SB Nation. I have no idea where he is. Sure. But it, it is funny to see like how people get so angry. And I, I've tried to do my best. Like, yeah, I'll disagree with people on topics. And that's one thing, but just to fundamentally not like someone for no reason or because you don't like their product. It's just very strange to me. It's crazy to me. Honestly speaking, like I'm still a rookie at this whole thing, right? So, and it's actually a question I had for you a little later, but we'll address it now. Like you do have some hot takes, right? You push the envelope a little bit, but because of that, like you said, you get literally these people that go off on you online. Like I've seen them go after you, your family. There's guys that have like your picture as they're like, profile <laughs> i didn't i didn't know that it's wild man so like how do you deal with like all these haters and trolls on, on twitter like again just it's good advice for like people trying to make it in the industry yeah, no, no, definitely. just with well, life like how do you there's deal always going to be people trying to knock you off you know and like come at you and i'm telling you, i had a lot of people when i got to fs1 they were like oh you're a sellout you, you had a website and now you're going on tv oh you're a sellout you're you know and i just Again, you can't let that stuff bother you. Now, I'm very fortunate um, that my wife keeps me grounded. And I think your wife is the same. She's not into sports, right? Not at all. My wife, not a sports fan, doesn't know. I mean, she knows LeBron and the Yankees sure. and like that important stuff. Um, not that the Houston Astros are not important. Uh, <laughs> but she doesn't really care about this stuff. Yeah. And at the end of the day, she doesn't want me coming and saying, oh, this guy hates me on Instagram. And this guy, I got so many anger messages on Twitter. Like, and I got the kids, as you do as well. So when I go off social media and I close the phone and close the laptop, that stuff's not in my head. You know, I'm focused on, all right, let me play you in 2K to my son, or let me go on a bike ride with my daughter or, you know, whatever it is. But I, I feel bad for those people who don't have like that support system that's outside of sports. Like, yeah, then you're just in it 24 seven. And I know some people and I feel bad for them. They, you know, they're beyond helping, uh, you know, no matter what you say. But again, a guy like Cowherd, I lean on him. He he does the same thing Joe Rogan does. He will come up with something, fire it off on social media, and drop the phone. And walk away and go watch a movie, check out some documentary on Netflix, go for a bike ride, go for a run, go play. I play a lot of pickup basketball. Just anything where you're not glued to the phone. And that's tough for the young people, Vic. We yeah, didn't grow up with, you know? These yeah. young kids, and you've read all the stories about the frontal cortex isn't formed, and these kids on 15 are just scrolling all day. Yep. Uh, it can't be healthy. Um, and, and, I, and I try my best. Listen, 
I'm not perfect with it. Uh, I definitely get in the verbal sparring uh, with some people. But my new thing that if, if the guy's not following, you could just click and see if he follows you. He's probably a troll, right? He's probably trying yeah. to get. So I just have stopped engaging with anybody who doesn't follow. It's just like, it's not worth it. Yeah. Uh, and again, fair. right now, dude, with the COVID-19, the terrible stuff that's going on in Minnesota, the this thing uh, situation in Georgia and the racism out there, man, it's, it's just really toxic. It's, it's, and it's, I feel like it's going to get worse, especially with the election. The election yeah. Right? Everything's so. politicized. You know, people have to take sides. Listen, it's one thing to take sides on the 96 bulls versus the 2017 warriors, right? <laughs> it takes sides at that. Yeah. Some of this other stuff, there's no sides to take. Come on. It's terrible. It's, it's, uh, really good advice to like anybody in the industry or just in life. Like to me, that's what I've been doing. Like I'm still new to all this. Right. So like when I post a, a podcast or I post an article, like I want to see if people like it still. Right. Like I'm still at that early stage. And so when you see like a couple of haters or trolls get in your timeline, I can't lie. Like it still kind of messes with me. Right. But yeah, yeah. I think now that time's passed on, I've been in this game a little bit. I've learned some of the stuff that you said. It's just like, you need to step away. Like, go do something you like. At the end of the day, my, like you said, I have a good family. Like, I can step away from sports. I can step away from social. I can spend time with the kiddos. And I think whoever else is out there listening, they need to just find whatever their escape is and just kind of step away from everything if it gets a little overwhelming, right? Don't forget, uh, I know my name, McIntyre, people will, will be like, what the heck is this guy uh, uh, being brown? There's not a lot of us out there. You know, uh, Fox just hired a guy, Adam Amin, who I yeah. think is, uh, you know, his family probably um, have similar backgrounds to ours, but there's not a lot of dudes having the opinions. When you when you go to the pickup basketball court and, and I said Durant's the best player on the planet in 2017, and I go, I'm a brown little guy who's never played in the NBA, didn't play college. And, you know, I'll play pickup. I love playing. Um, but you can see the looks. Well, now imagine, Vic, that you go on set and you say that and Kenyon Martin is three seats away from you. Yeah. And like five minutes earlier, I had said Carmelo Anthony is a ball hog and Carmelo Anthony just bad news. And Kenyon Martin's tight with him. You know, so Kenny Martin's going to come. Who are you to say that? You know, so yeah. you get a lot of that. And listen, these are the challenges. We're paving the way. Just as Tony Kornheiser and Wilbon paved the way for ink stained wretches to make the leap from newspapers to TV. We're in the group of guys who are brown, who are making the leap from blogging, social media, talking sports to whatever's next. And, and the whole next generation of, of young guys who like sports like us. I don't know if you couldn't make it like I couldn't, um, but who are passionate about it and want to have a voice. Like you said, we are kind of paving the way. Like my goal is to get, get like you one day, right? And and just some of those other guys that are brown, that are on TV and radio, that are already doing big things and kind of paving the way for us even. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how this all plays out. But let's get back to your journey a little bit, right? Like post big lead days, like was there one thing when you're looking back at the big lead, like what was the one thing you were most proud of? So uh, the site got bought, I think it's 2010. And the funniest part was, so when the site kind of got a little big, we got approached by people for, hey, do you, can we invest in the site? And of course, this company called Fantasy Sports Ventures, they're no longer around. They said, hey, we want to rent you with the option to buy. So they rent us for two years and then the deal gets done. Uh, they decided, hey, we're making money off this, let's buy so then we're owned by USA Today. And of course, they boot the Fantasy Sports Ventures guys, but keep yep. the website. Uh, they kept a couple of the Fantasy Sports Ventures guys for like a year or two, blah, blah, blah. Within like two years, USA Today, you know, has a bunch of new leadership. 
maybe people that didn't buy the big lead. They're in DC. I'm like, hey, I'm more than willing to meet. We were in Pennsylvania at the time. I'm more than willing to meet anytime. They're, oh, we'll have a meeting in DC. Can you drive down? Yeah, it's two hours, two and a half. No big deal. I drive down and I'm meeting with you know the new big guy. I'll leave his name out of this. But then he had hired a new staff at USA Today to start blogging. And they, kind of, I don't want to say ambushed me, but they're like, Jason, we love the big lead. We want to do what you're doing. So we need you to stop what you're doing, do something else. And we're going to do what you do. Yeah. Uh, are you serious? They bought the site. Why would I change what I'm doing? Yeah. You don't even have a product and, and you're telling me to stop what I'm doing so you can do what I'm doing. And I just fought them tooth and nail. I just refused to bend. And ultimately uh, the big boss wasn't there. The second I get in the car to drive home really ticked off because uh, it was three guys and I'll leave their names out of it now. But I called the big boss. I'm like, dude, these guys just tried to pull this bullshit. What is this? It was like an ambush. And, oh, sorry, Jason. I did not know they were doing that. Call them. Calling off the dogs. Hey, Jason, don't worry. Continue to do what you're doing. And for the next like two years, they did this like battle to start to prevent me from doing what I'm doing. And at, the, at the one point, they just said like, we're going to refuse to link the big lead at USA Today. You guys own us. Wow. All you've got to do is promote us more. You're making money. You don't link us. You guys are going to hold back your own product. Yeah. And it was the, uh, this website. They said, we're going to just create for the win and nudge the big lead out. Well, I outlasted all three of those clowns in, the, <laughs> in that room who tried to, to rub me out. You know, again, you ha at the time, it was so frustrating. But looking back, I needed to deal with that kind of political bullshit in an office because guess what? When you get to the next level, the TV, there's a lot of that. Uh, fortunately, I'm at Fox and there's a lot of guys who I really like and respect. But listen, that, I got a master's degree uh, at USA Today in, in dealing with political garbage at a major large company. Going through that was awesome and a blessing and I needed that. Now, again, at the time, Vic, oh boy, I was ticked. Uh, I was very, very angry. Yeah, um, but I fought him off relentlessly. Ryan knows his story, Jason Lisk, other guys. And, you know, they saw my daily battles. Like, it was ugly. And then I would fight them off, fight them off. And I'm like, look at our numbers. We're making money for you clowns. Like, get a clue. And, and again, at the big shops, it can be very, very difficult. Let's talk, you're talking about TV a little bit. I, I know we're running a little long. Let's talk post Big Lean now. You're doing a lot of really cool stuff with Fox, right? Like, you've stepped in for Colin Coward. You're writing for Fox. You're, you have your own gambling podcast. You have your own radio show on Saturdays. Like, how did that whole Fox opportunity yeah. come along? Um, so, the radio thing's funny. I would do this thing at the Big Lead every summer. I'm a college basketball nerd. I really like the sport. I know you're into it as well. Gambling, of course, helps. And I would do the 50 best players in college basketball. But I knew everybody would do something similar right before the season. Yeah. So I would do it in July when they, when like Adidas and Nike were doing their camps because all the coaches get together and the stuff hits and blah, blah, blah. And it got Jay Billis would push it. A, a lot of the announcers and people I interviewed would end up pushing it. And it was great. And Fox Sports Radio calls me and they were like, you know, I knew you were into sports when I saw every summer you would do the 50 best players in college basketball. Nice. And we got a three hour show to fill. And if you can do 50 play, like a lot of people, college basketball is one month. Yeah. They can't name 20 guys. You put in the homework, you put in the time. I know you're going to be successful. And that kind of, that was like one of the leading things Scott Shapiro told me. He, one of the big bosses at Fox Sports Radio. And he was like, that was one of the things that caught my eye. And, and that helped get me to Fox Sports Radio. I've been doing that for about maybe six months before I got out here to FS1. And again, part of the journey, Vic, you know this, you got to take chances. Yeah. Um, you know, 2016, late May, right about this time, we were about to get on a flight 
and moved to LA. And my wife's family is right across the PA border. We were close to Jersey. Not, again, we're not talking Pennsylvania for the folks out there. We're talking like Bucks County, nice area. Pennsylvania, New Jersey border. We were close to her parents who would babysit a lot. We would see them. It's tough to get your wife to move across the country away from her comfort zone yeah. and take a chance. And I was like, listen, we got to do this. So we came out here to California and Cowherd and his wife took us out to dinner. And they were like, hey, dude, look at this area. You got to move here. You know, we have, we're sitting in a restaurant. The beach is literally over there. We're like, holy cow. Picked up and moved and uh, celebrating the four-year anniversary coming up. Uh, listen, we've been through a lot out here. You know, I don't want to get too biblical, but, the, you know, the story of Abraham is, is a pretty great one. Uh, all the stuff he went through and he made that journey leaving his comfort zone and taking a chance. And, you know, we're doing the same thing. One year in to FS1, the guy who hired me gets fired. He's gone. Year three. COVID-19, a pandemic hits. Yeah. You know, again, this is going to happen, Vic, in everything. Every walk, every job you have, you're going to have these massive hurdles. And I'll tell you this, I don't think I've been tested like this one in anything before. I don't know about you. I know you've got, you know, your stuff. I, and we all have demons. Yeah. And there have been days where I'll just sit there and stare at the computer and like, what? I need to get the creative juices flow. Yeah. I need to get back. Like early in the pandemic, I was doing my push-ups and sit-ups every day. Uh, like 500 of them, you know, <laughs> yeah. spaced out over the day. I'm like, I got to stay safe. Then I got like, my shoulder starts hurting. Uh, I go to get a, I go to a massage masseuse here and she's shut down. And I'm like, yeah. I can't do pushups because my shoulders. And it's just like, everything's getting taken away from you. And, and again, pushups are very small sure. waiting in line at Costco this morning for 40 minutes to get in just so we can get Clorox wipes. Yeah. And again, these are small, small potatoes of what a lot of people are going through, but it, it ain't easy. I'll ask you one last question about your journey. Looking back on it, is what's the one small or big victory that you had where you were like, hey, I made it? You know, what helped you get there? Is it a person or a little moment or anything you can think of? It could be anything. This is funny. So I go on Cowherd's show one day. It was after the Browns beat the Jets on Thursday night football. It, it sucked because Tyrod Teller got hurt. Baker came in. And Baker's first game. game. Yeah, I remember that. So after the game, Baker Mayfield, the first thing he does before celebrating for anything is he grabs his cell phone and you can see it on the cameras. He's got his phone with him as if he's willing to first thing he does after his big win, what's to go on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is and yeah. talk about. It. And I went on Cowherd show that next morning. I'm like, did you see that dude? He grabbed his phone. The first thing, these social media guys, man, it's just not healthy. They're addicted to like, again, it's one thing if Vic or Jason get in a Twitter argument with some jabroni. Okay. Yeah. You're Baker Mayfield, right? You won the Heisman. Yeah. You went to the uh, na national semifinals. You were the number one pick. You just won on Thursday Night Football, and, and you're picking up your phone to maybe argue <laughs> with people online. And I said that in a you know more polished manner. I, I could not have imagined how angry people were. Oh, that's the hottest take ever. The uh, big cat, you know, uh, Chicago yep. guy. He, 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 the, I don't listen to part of my take. I, I know a lot of people listen to it. Apparently they hammered me. So I go on and listen and they're like, oh, this is the quake take of the year. Baker Mayfield cell phone. Oh my. And the outrage dude was unbelievable. And at that point I had to make my um, Instagram comments only for people who follow. Cause that, yeah. I had so many people from Ohio coming in to just shred me. Yeah. Okay. Vic, we are less than two years later. Baker Mayfield, he came out and said, I'm not doing as much with social media. I'm not doing interviews. I'm not doing commercials. I'm dialing it back. I was too into that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you could see it back then. Dude, he was favoriting tweets 
that were <laughs> negative about him. Can't do that if you're an NFL quarterback. Your mind is not in the film room with the offense and where, where your focus should be. And again, I know people have a hard time understanding that, Vic, but you know what I'm saying, right? Dude, you're the face of the franchise of a billion dollar franchise. I mean, the Browns are probably worth a billion, right? <laughs> you're the face of a billion dollar franchise. You can't be caught up on Twitter. Yep. You, you just can't. It's not healthy for you. Kevin Hart and The Rock, they win on social media by promoting their stuff. You're, you get no wins on social. You don't need that. Yeah. Your wins are on the field. And that's what I was trying to convey to Baker. Hey, maybe I didn't convey it the right way. To me, that was one of those crystallization moments that realized for me, whoa, Jay, less social media is better. You know, and again, I get caught up in it a lot. But anyways, I probably ramble too much there. But Okay, before we wrap up, I always like to do a little fun rapid Q&A. You got it. Like whatever comes to mind, you got to answer. There's no okay. uh, hesitating. Best pizza, Chicago or New York? I would go New York. Bears, Packers, who finishes better next year? Packers. Greatest of all time, Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. All right, all right. Favorite publication growing up? Well, the Washington Post, I guess, yeah. Last one. If you and MJ were shipwrecked on an island, how many days would it take before he hunted and killed you? <laughs> Lord of Flies, oh, castaway style. Wow, jeez. No, he wouldn't kill me? Come on, we have work together. <laughs> I could be Scotty. No, no, I would not be Scotty. Who would I be? Steve Kerr? No, you punched Steve Kerr. Uh, yeah, no, no. That That's fascinating. Um, I don't know. I, I would hope he wouldn't kill me. I like to think I'm a fighter and I'm not going to... I mean, Mike's much bigger than I am. <laughs> He's what, six, six, two, fifty, probably 240 now. Yep. Yeah, you I'm know. like 5'10", 175, 170. <laughs> yeah, that would be a long shot. That, that's fair. You got to be his Charles Oakley because that's his oh, guy. Jeez, so. Charles <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. I know how busy you are. I appreciate your time. also wanted to give you a super big shout out. You were honestly one of the only dudes that wrote me back when I emailed 500 people. And, and you know, you wrote me back. You gave me a call. You gave me advice. You gave me my first shot. So, you know, you, you've become- I can see the talent. And plus you start, <laughs> you had your own business. Like there, a lot of people can just write, you know, the, your background and that business you started, like you got a good story. I, you're interested. No, thank you, man. So I appreciate it. You've become like a mentor to me. So, you know, I, I just wanted to give you some love on, on the pod, but thanks again. Stay safe. And uh, I'll definitely be talking to you soon. All right. You too, Vic. My thanks again to Jason McIntyre for joining me today. Be sure to check him out on Twitter at Jason R. McIntyre. He's definitely a fun follower if you're into sports, gambling, or sports media. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to give us a like or a follow. And please, please, please share the word with your friends. Last but not least, you can follow my work at DocSquad33 on Twitter or VicChoxy33 on Instagram. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next time on Victory Lab.